In turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse uh, 32. I'm going to title this message this morning, In Your Control. Everyone say, In Your Control. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, he says, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your good Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I like specifically what Young's literal translation says. He says, it is your father's great delight to give you the reign, the dominion, the reign, the reign, the kingdom dominion that he has bought and paid for is yours and it is mine. As a matter of fact, we discovered a couple of weeks ago that we are to reign in life as kings through the one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one way that we reign as kings in life is we take our place. We take the dominion that he has placed within our lives and we utilize it for his glory. You know, there was a day when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? You know, some were saying thou art John the Baptist or Elias or one of the prophets. But he said, who do you say that I am? And of course, he, we pick it up in verse um, seven, uh, 16. Peter answered in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew 16. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, now flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And he said, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against the church. I'm glad of that. The gates of hell have tried to prevail, but I've seen here for years and years, they sure haven't. And they sure will not. But notice with me, I want you to see in verse 19. This is the verse of scripture we want to think about for a moment. In verse 19, it says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth. You is the understood uh, subject of that sentence. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now it's been my discovery and my experience that most people, most Christians have what I like to call a no fault religion. In other words, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Because everything in life is either up to God or maybe they think that the devil caused it. And so it's very convenient to take all of the responsibility off of ourselves and put it on him. But in verse 19, he didn't tell us that he's going to do the binding. He didn't tell us that he's going to do the loosing. He said, if you bind it, I'll back you up. If you loose it, I'll back you up. You bind here on earth, he backs you up in heaven. You loose here on earth, he backs you up in heaven. Isn't that awesome? And so the truth of the matter is, is he's placed a lot of things in our control. Now I want you to notice this again. I will give you the keys. Now what do keys mean? What do keys denote in this verse of scripture? Well... It denotes the right of use. It means the privilege. Keys give us access. And keys give us control. Amen? How many of you have the keys to your car? All right. The keys to your house. And so he's given us keys. 
The question I have for you this morning is, are you utilizing what's been given to you? Amen. And I think that that's something that we need to take a look at. Because in fact, in life, there are a lot of things happening that God has nothing to do with. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we should not be laying down under his attacks. But rather we should be rising up with the keys of the kingdom, with the name of Jesus. With the blood of the Lamb. With the power of the Holy Spirit. And stop him dead in his tracks. And loose the word. And loose the angels. And loose heavens back up. Amen. So there's a lot of things we can do something about. We are not helpless pawns. Say it with me. In my life, I've got a lot of control. Say this with me. I have the keys. Now, one area that we have control in is in the area of our mind. This is your mind. Amen? This is my mind. This is your mind. We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we don't have to be controlled by our emotions. We don't have to be controlled by our feelings. How many of you know that your feelings are fickle? I mean, you may get up in the morning and and, and feel like 40 miles of uh, muddy road. Other mornings you may get up and just feel fresh as a daisy. Aren't you glad we don't walk by our feelings? Feelings are fickle. Feelings are subject to change. But God's word will never change. And so your mind is in your control. How many have a remote at home for your television? Have you noticed that if you want to change the channel... All you got to do is push the remote. Well, I think there needs to be some changing of the channels in our mind. Because, you know, the enemy will bring his lies and bring his videos. And he'll try to get you to watch them all day long to where you just get down and depressed. And you want to call your friends and talk about how bad things are and how rough things are. Come on over to my house. Let's have a pity party. No way. I am not coming. I'm not coming. And so you can change the channel. You see something on TV you don't like? Change the channel. Something going on in your mind? Just change the channel. Get into the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about that we are to bring into captivity every thought, every thought, To the obedience of Christ. Now the way that we do that is we cast down imaginations or we cast down images. See, the enemy wants you to see the wrong thing. He wants you to say the wrong thing. He wants you to believe the wrong thing and act on the wrong thing so that the wrong thing comes to pass in your life. But the Bible says you've got some weapons. And that means you're in control of that. And the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Did you know that the greatest stronghold in your life is not up in the heavenlies? The greatest strongholds in your life are in between your ears. And I'm thankful I've got some weapons. 
And so take the sword of the Spirit and put the devil on the run. Now, if the devil can deceive you, he can defeat you. But somebody said, well, pastor, you don't, you just don't understand. My emotions, they're all over the place. I like this statement. Our emotions are not created by what happens to us. Rather, our emotions are created by what we tell ourselves about what happens to us. So you need to ask yourself, what have I been saying? What have I been telling myself? We should not allow our thinking to be influenced by anything or anyone but God and His Word. The Scripture tells us we are to be sober. We are to have sober thinking. Now some of you are out there in the world and you're, you're familiar with what it was like to get drunk. Okay? You got drunk. And what happened when you got drunk? Your judgment got wacko. Your driving got crazy. You thought wrong and things that, you know, you would never ever even think about doing. The next thing you know, you're doing it because you're under the influence. Okay? And that's how people get what they call DUIs, right? Driving under the influence. Well, there's too many Christians that are going down the road of life under the wrong influence. You do know that there are influences out there that will try to draw you off the road into the ditch. And so the Bible says that we are to be sober in the way that we think. In other words, we're to be clear up here. Amen? And you cannot allow things of this world in this mind because your mind will just feed on whatever you put in it. It is so important that we learn to think the thoughts of God. To think what His Word says about us. Amen? Now, notice with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verses 23 through 24. 22 through 24. Thank God there's a lot of things in our control. You can get a firm grip on your mind and a firm grip on your emotions. Amen? You ever known people that say, Lord, help, help, Lord, help. Help me lose weight. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me, help me, help me to get out of debt. You know, I think a lot of times when people say that, they're basically saying, Lord, do it for me. The word help means to assist, not do it for. Amen? Now, let's say, for example, I invite Brother Don over to my house and I say, Don, you know, we're going to paint the outside of the house. Would you come and help me? Help me. Don says, sure, I'll come help you. What time do you want me to come? Says, well, let's start around 9 a.m. in the morning. So Don knocks on the door. I said, Don, paintbrush is outside. You get out there and start painting. And I go inside and start eating pecan pie. 
Well, that's not Don helping me. That's Don doing it for me. If I really wanted Don to help me in the true sense of the word, I'd invite him in and say, Don, come on in and help me finish his pie off. <laughs> so there's, there's just a lot of folks. You know, eating pie sounds better than painting, doesn't it? <laughs> but I wanted you to, to see that picture. You see, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He won't do for, but he is the one that's called alongside to help us. And so if we're saying help, Lord, in the sense of him doing it all, you'll never lose the weight. You'll never get out of debt. We must give him something to help. He will help us to keep our thoughts in line with his thoughts. I like Isaiah 26, 3. He says that he will keep us in perfect peace when we keep our mind stayed on him. It's better to stay your mind on him than stay your mind on the things of this world. And that's why he said, turn over to Romans chapter 12. And I want you to notice this in Romans the 12th chapter in the, in the second verse. This will help you today. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad you're not controlled by your emotions? Okay, I'm moving too fast. Back up. Let's back up. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Somebody shout with me this morning. Hallelujah. Ephesians, the fourth chapter now. And now I want to look at verse 22 uh, through uh, 24. So we can win this battle that goes on in our mind. And there is a battle. One way that we do it is we must put off our old ways of thinking. And then set our affection or set our mind on things above. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation. Now, the word conversation there means manner of life. The old man. Well, the old man we all know was corrupt according to its deceitful lusts. Verse 23. And that you put and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. And that you put on what? So there's a putting off of the old man. And then there's a putting on of the new man. And sandwiched in between those two verses is, and be renewed in the spirit of what? Of your mind. It is not enough just to take the old diaper off the baby, you've got to put the new one on. Amen? And there's a lot of Christians, I know this is kind of a gross illustration, but there's a lot of Christians, they just put the new diaper on top of the old diaper and didn't forget to take the old off. And how many of you know that equates to stinking thinking? What is stinking thinking? They told us about stinking thinking in treatment years ago. Stinking thinking is thinking about getting the next drink or getting the next shot. What you're going to do with your life that's contrary to God's word. See, there's got to be a 
putting off of the old man and then a putting on of the new man. Now, I grew up in Minnesota and it was cold outside, very cold outside. And when you were outside in minus 20 degrees and you got inside, you didn't warm up right away. Okay? And so oftentimes when you got home, you would want to, you know, take your coat off, but you were still cold. So you put your coat back on. And as long as you kept your coat on, eventually you'd get warmer. Well, spiritually, we have a coat, amen, to put on. It is the new man in Christ Jesus. And as we put on this new man, life will kind of seem a little bit yet foreign to us. We won't get really comfortable or warm, if you will. But if we'll keep this new man on and keep renewing this mind to the word of God, we'll all of a sudden become warmed up and transformed and become more like Jesus every day. So put off the old man and put the new man on. Say it with me, I'm a new man in Christ. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Now look over with me at Romans chapter 8. And we want to notice a verse of scripture here. Romans the 8th chapter. And notice with me in verse 5. For they that are after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. Fleshly minded. But they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. When our mind is connected to fleshly things and to carnal things, it produces death in our lives. But, thank God, to be spiritually minded, what does that produce? Come on class, wake up a little bit. What does a spiritual mind produce? A spiritual mind, it will produce the life of God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Woo, glory to God. And that's why he told us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, he said, look, I've given you a list. And here's the list of things that you're supposed to think on. He said, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are honest, whatever things are of a good report, whatever things, glory to God, are just. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, do what? Think on what? Think on these things. I heard years ago someone say, I believe that every Christian needs a bouncer at the door of their soul. So when outside intruders and foreign thoughts come to our mind, we can immediately look on the list. That's not on the list. We can bounce it out. In other words, we can take our keys and we can bind it and stop it and not permit it in our lives. But you see, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, what does it produce? It produces life and peace in our life. The word minded there means what we keep our mind on. Your mind, if you will, is your connector. What you 
think on long enough is what you will connect with. That is why when, when people feed on information that is of this world, what happens is they connect with the world system. Okay? So think of your mind as a very, very important thing that God has placed in your control. Say that with me, in my control. Say it like this, my mind is my mind and it is in my it's in my control. Did you know this, that what you open your mind to or what you put your mind on, you open your spirit to? Okay. What you put your mind on, you will open your heart to. That's so, such a vital truth. So when we get born again, we're new creations in Christ. We're new on the inside. But how many of you know you got the same body that you had before you were born again? And your body will want to do things that it did before you were saved. And your mind, if you don't discipline it, will have a tendency to just kind of float around everywhere. And if you keep your mind long enough on the wrong things, you'll connect with that. See, the Bible says, uh, and it's, it's very simple to see in Proverbs 23, 7, he says this. He says that, um, as a man thinketh, where? In his heart. Well, we better look at it. Proverbs 23, verse 7. Let's read that together. For as he thinketh in his heart. As he thinketh. Where in his heart. As you think in your soul. What you meditate on. You can become. Either negative or positive. You can become. All right. Let's, let's move just a, a little bit closer now. God's word conveys God's thoughts. You know, he's got some awesome thoughts about you. He's got some awesome, awesome thoughts about me. Do you know that God does not see you as a one or a two he sees you as a tan. That's the way he sees you. Because he doesn't see you according to your flesh. He sees you according to Christ Jesus. He doesn't see you in you. He sees you in Christ. And there's a big difference between who we are in ourselves and who we are in in him. Without him, not only can we do nothing, but without him, basically, we are nothing. But in him, we are joined to the Lord and have become one with the Lord. And so God sees us through the substitutionary sacrifice that Jesus bought and paid for. He sees us in Him. Amen. Glory to God, that'll preach. Amen. Now it's awesome that He sees us as tens. And it's awesome that He sees us in Christ. But we've got to see ourselves that way. 
We've got to see ourselves succeeding in life. We must see ourselves redeemed. See ourselves sanctified. See ourselves filled with the wisdom of God. Come on, somebody. It's all bought. It's all paid for. But you've got to come to the table and eat the word of God so that you can see yourself the way your father's been seeing you all along. Come on. Glory to God. I see myself strong when I feel weak. Because the Bible says, let the weak say... I am strong. Strong in who? Strong in Mark? No. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I don't see myself in debt. I see myself out of debt. How about you? The debt has been paid. The price has been paid. See yourself the way that he sees you. And then begin to to acknowledge that. Look at Philemon verse 6 if you would. Philemon verse 6 says that the communication of your faith, the communication of your faith, there's only one verse in Philemon, by the way, so don't look for chapter 1. There's only one chapter, rather. Thank you, honey. You've got to take ownership of how God sees you. He says now that the communication of your faith, my faith, your faith, May become effectual. Now, another way to say the word effectual is divinely energized. How many of you this morning would like your faith to be divinely energized? He says the communication of your faith can become divinely energized. And this is the way it happens. By the acknowledging or the declaration or the taking of ownership or the saying Of every good thing which is in you, but not in you alone, but which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Find out who you are in Christ Jesus and take ownership of it. Declare it. Proclaim it. Don't back off from it just because you don't feel like it. The good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus, is that He is your wisdom. He is your sanctification. He is your Redeemer. He is your righteousness. Come on, somebody. We are not righteous because of the good works that we do. We're righteous because of the good work that He did. Hallelujah. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But you've got to acknowledge it. It's great for Brother George to acknowledge the good things which are in him in Christ Jesus. And he does that. It's great to be inspired by great teachers of faith and preachers of the gospel. But you know... I found a verse of scripture that God is no respecter of persons. And in him, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. In him, we are his workmanship. You're a masterpiece in him. Acknowledge it daily. Acknowledge it when you don't feel like it. Let this word change your life. Look at Romans chapter 12 real quick. And I preached on that verse 
for about 45 minutes Wednesday night. So I really encourage you to get the CD. It just came hot off the press. I came with about 20 pages of notes and just, just preached it. And it will encourage your soul. And taught it. Now notice with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, not by the removal of your mind, but by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Transformed in the Greek is metamorpho. It describes a complete change into another form. It means to transform or it means to transfigure. In other words, to have a metamorpho means what has happened to you on the inside in your born-again experience. As you believe it and acknowledge it and act on it, it will change your entire life to where you become just like the Master. So the Lord did something with our spirit. We must do something with our mind. See, if our thinking was okay, he would never tell us to be renewed according to the word of God. The word renewed means to renovate. How many of you remember this building years and years ago? It needed some major renovation. And by the way, yesterday... Is our seven year anniversary of being here. Seven years. Glory to God. But there had to be some renovation. Six years, whatever. Is it six or seven? We don't want to get hung up with that today. Amen. So, what happened in this place? There need to be some walls torn out. How many of you were, were part of the removal of the old theater chairs? Do you remember that? They had to be ripped up. The floor had to be brought up. How many of you know that in your mind, there's got to be some things that are ripped out? (laughs) The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the demolishing of strongholds. I like what the NLT says about Romans chapter 12. It says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God change you. Look at your neighbor and say it real strong. Let God change you. Let God God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. In other words, with this saying, you'll become a different person when you change the way you think. It'll change your life. So find his thoughts. Think his thoughts. Take these keys of the kingdom and take your dominion in the area of your mind. In Joshua 1.8, these last five or six minutes are very important. So make a purposeful dedication to listen very carefully. In Joshua 1.8, it says this. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein what? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do. In other words, when you meditate in the word of God, there'll come an observation. In other words, you'll be able to see some things. And you'll be able to do all that is written therein. And then it says, as a result of that, but not before that, then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Here's the deal. A lot of Christians want the prosperity A lot of folks want the success, 
but they don't want to do what it takes to get to that point. Okay? It's that same old thing. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. In other words, do it for me. Well, God's given us some things to do for ourselves. And I'm giving your homework for this week. Now look with me over at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. Paul, speaking to a young minister by the name of Timothy, he's encouraging him because he knew that the, the road that he was going to go on would not be an easy road. But Paul knew that in him we are more than conquerors in spite of what might be going around us. Paul also knew if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Paul also knew that the grace of God was sufficient for him in his natural insufficiencies. Amen? Here's what Paul knew. He also knew the value of meditating and thinking on and dwelling on the Word of God. The word meditate means to ponder. It also means to talk to yourself. How many have ever talked to yourself? I talk to myself all the time. Just make sure what you're saying lines up with the word. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Now notice this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. Let's feed on this just for a moment. He said, in summation of some things that he'd already said, he says, meditate, think about, ponder, declare these things. And give yourself Sunday morning to them. No, that's the Thomas translation. No, give yourself wholly to them. Now, what will happen as a result of meditation? That thy profiting may appear to all. When something appears, it means that it's seen. Your profiting will be seen by people around you. But you've seen it all the time in your time of meditation. Okay? Now, let's look at another one. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Doesn't that sound like transformation to you? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. He says, but we all, every one of us, with open face... Beholding or looking as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Looking into the word of God, we see the glory of the Lord. And what happens? We're changed. We're transformed into the same image. And it takes us from glory to glory, not from glory to gory. No, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now say this real strong. What I behold... Is what I will become. I want you to see this. Beheld in a glass the glory of the world, glory of the Lord, and then change took place into the same image. Now, what if he hadn't beheld? Would he have received that image? Absolutely not. And so, what we behold is what will become. How we see ourselves. What we say about ourselves in reality causes us to come to that place. Now notice with me in Psalms 1. Notice with me in verses 1 through 3. Psalms 1. 
Blessed is the man. Is that you? That's me. How about you? Blessed, happy, to be envied is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the way of sinners. How many of you know ungodly men and women, they can't help it. They're just going to give you ungodly advice. Worldly people are going to give you worldly advice. Worldly people will tell you, hey, if it feels good, it's fine. Listen, everything that feels good is not fine. So there is a wisdom, according to this world, that we're happy to not be a part of. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Did you know that you have the responsibility to remove your foot from evil? There are places that I don't go anymore because there's too much sin there. There are people I don't hang around with anymore because there's too much cursing there. There's too much of an anti-Christ spirit there. And it's not that you are any better than them, but if you get in their way, oftentimes you will end up going their way. And the way they are going is south. It ain't north. And the Bible says, don't consent when sinners entice you. And so you're blessed if you live a life separate from people that would try to drag you down. Now, God will give you wisdom on how to reach him. God will show you how to do it. But I'm telling you, it's not at the bar. It's not in their way. Now notice, it says, Nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight, this blessed man, his delight is in the word of God. Now notice, and in his word, does God meditate for him? No, in his word, does this blessed man, this happy man, in this word, he meditates, he thinks on, he ponders, he dwells, he speaks to himself day and night, day and night. And notice what the result is, verse three. And he shall be what you behold, you will become. Your profiting will appear to all. And he shall be just like a tree. Planted. Not wishy-washy. Not so easily rooted up, but planted by the rivers of water. Come on now. Not only are you planted, not only are you stable in an unstable time, but you're planted by the rivers of water. You're getting your nurture and your sustenance from the river of life. And the Bible says you'll bring forth fruit in his season. Woo, glory to God. Your leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, whatever I do is going to prosper. But that comes through meditating on the Word. 
What you behold is what you will become. You have not been dealt bad cards in your life. God doesn't play cards. And if he did, he wouldn't give you bad cards. He'd give you all aces and all kings because you are one of the kings that he's the king of. Did you get it today? All right, let's stand up right now. Amen. Father, thank you for your word of encouragement to us. Lift up both hands toward heaven and let's make some declarations today. Say with me, Lord God, I acknowledge the good things which are in me, which are in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Him. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. In Him, I am redeemed. In Him, I am healed. I've been joined to the Lord. And I am one spirit. I'm not inferior in Him. I am secure in Christ Jesus. Now everyone look at your, your right hand and say, I take my keys. And I've learned today that I don't have a no-fault religion. My mind is my mind. My mind is in my control. And what I bind is bound in heaven. Therefore, in Jesus' name, I bind up the principalities. I bind up wrong thoughts. And I stop them now. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I loose your will, your word. Heaven's backing is mine. In him, I have the mind of Christ. Now place your hands right here and pray this. Lord, what I haven't seen, help me to see. What I haven't heard, help me to hear. Real faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as I feed my spirit, the word of God, it builds an image of success, of healing, of righteousness on the inside of me. I'm seeing the answer. Even though it hasn't materialized yet, I'm seeing it and it shall appear and I shall become what I behold. Amen.